Well, over the last few Sunday mornings at uh, Long Baptist Church, we've been uh, uh, doing this short little series called uh, Each One uh, Reach One. And some of you thought, oh no, not another bright new idea. Aren't there enough of those already? Well, uh, this one came out of the uh, the church weekend that we had a, a few uh, weekends ago in Southport uh, when we gathered together to uh, share food and uh, and fun and, uh, and fellowship, but there was also uh, an important part because we were thinking about uh, how we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, we took on this phrase, each one can reach one. And uh, we thought about the fact that, uh, you know, we're trying to bring people from the community uh, into the crowd and in, from the crowd into the congregation and from the congregation into the committed and from the committed into the core. And uh, we asked people to think about people uh, that they had uh, weekly contact with. And uh, thinking about actually targeting people to pray for people to try and bring them into the kingdom of God. And uh, we gathered all these names together for people that we're going to continue to pray for. And of course we want other names to be added to that list of people that we long to see uh, come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, what we want to say is that evangelism is not a dirty word. We want to make evangelism uh, good news again. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we were uh, thinking about the ascension. And uh, in the first sermon in this series we were saying the ascension focuses our attention on mission. Uh, the ascension gives us our direction for mission. And we said the ascension reminds us of our provision for mission, that the Holy Spirit equips us with everything that we need to reach people for Jesus Christ. And then last week we were thinking about uh, that story at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, uh, where four friends bring their uh, paralysed friends to Jesus. And we're thinking about friends that go through the roof, Uh, we're thinking that faith that goes through the roof, and we're thinking about forgiveness that goes through the roof. And we're talking about how far would we be prepared to go to bring people to Jesus. And so, uh, we want to uh, be ready uh, to go into the world at any time. We want uh, a gospel that is on wheels. Uh, and we want to take it out into the world that desperately needs to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And we're concluding this short series this morning, uh, looking at this passage where Jesus calls uh, Philip and Nathaniel. And uh, we're calling this Come and See Evangelism. We're calling this Come and See Evangelism. Now, last week when we were looking about that story where four friends go... Uh, brought their their friend through the roof. Uh, you know, that was quite a dramatic, uh, dangerous, kind of edgy thing uh, to do. And there's a sense in which this is quite a contrast uh, to that. And this is, this is more kind of mundane, ordinary. You know, Jesus was just going about his ordinary life. And what did Jesus do? He just went about telling people the good news um, about the kingdom of God. And there's a sense in which this passage might be easier for us to identify with. Because this is kind of uh, just rooted in the everyday and the ordinary. Not many of us will be, uh, you know, making a hole in somebody's roof and dragging our friend through. Uh, but all of us has have friends who we just talk to on occasions. And so uh, we're going to be looking at this passage in relationship to each one 
uh, reaching one for Jesus. And we're starting with uh, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the call to follow me. The call to follow me. This was Jesus' uh, standard way of asking people uh, to enter into a relationship. We read about it time and time again. Uh, Jesus said to people, you know, come and follow me. And uh, we read the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That's what we're trying to do as as disciples of Jesus Christ. All we're trying to do is follow Jesus. And that is each person's calling. We are called to follow Jesus. In the Gospels, we see that in a very literal sense, in that Jesus was walking about and he called people and they would actually physically get up and follow him to wherever he was going. The sense in which our calling is a kind of uh, a spiritualization of that in that we are called to follow what Jesus said, to, to follow what Jesus did, and to follow in as much as we can who Jesus was in trying to become more and more like Jesus. The call is to follow me. But what I want you to notice here is that it says the next day Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Jesus found his disciples. They didn't find him. Jesus went out and sought them. And challenged them to come and to follow him. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus is looking for disciples, but he seeks them out. To be a follower of Jesus means to be found by him. To be a follower of Jesus means to be found by him. Of course, some people don't want to be found. Hands up if you've ever played hide and seek, or have ever played hide and seek with your children. You ever played hide and seek, yeah? Uh, you know, uh, when well, I used to play hide and seek with my children, it wasn't really very hard to find them. Uh, but even if I couldn't find them, they were desperate to be found. And sometimes they couldn't can contain themselves because they wanted to be found. Uh, they would kind of burst out or give clues by making noises to where they are. And so that I could find them. And there's a sense in which Jesus is out there looking for people. And there's some people that want to be found, but there's others that don't want to be found. And Jesus calls people, he finds people, and then he asks them to follow them. Jesus gave his mission statement in Mark's Gospel, saying that he came to seek and save that which was lost. His mission was to save people that were lost. And he sought them out. And he was always calling people to come and to follow him. So the call is the call that Jesus gives to disciples to follow him. And we become a follower of Jesus when Jesus finds us. And we celebrate 
Do you remember the uh, the great parables in in Luke 15? You know about the three lost things, about the woman that lost the coins, about the the shepherd that lost his sheep, and about the father that lost his son. At the end of all those parables, there was a great celebration when what was lost had been found, and there's a sense in which that's what happens when lost people are found. There is that celebration that goes on in heaven. So the call to follow me is what Jesus issues. And that's the first thing that I wanted to to share with you. The call to follow me. Secondly, the invitation. And the invitation is to come and see. The invitation is to come and see. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from Bethesda. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip found Nathaniel and told him. Philip found Nathaniel and told him. To be a follower of Jesus means to tell people about him. Firstly, when we are, we need to be found by Jesus, but secondly, we need to tell other people about Jesus. And there's a sense in which if we're not telling people about Jesus, then we're not really following Jesus. And there's a challenge in that, isn't there? Now, people say to me, oh, Richard, I'm not really gifted in evangelism. As if that's an excuse. And there is a gift of evangelism. There is a a spiritual gift of evangelism some people have. But each one of us is called to be a witness to Jesus. And I've got some good news about evangelism. Because it's it's not as bad as you think it is. It's not only, the the, the funny thing about evangelism, it's not only non-Christians that don't like it. They don't like to be evangelized. Christians don't like it either. None of us like to engage in evangelism. What reasons don't we like evangelism? Give me some reasons. Why don't you want to? What prevents you from, from telling people about Jesus? What sort of things? Just shout them out. People might laugh at you. You might be rejected. You might be embarrassed. Anything else? They might ask you questions that you can't answer. Well, I'll tell you, all those reasons and many more, I've got some great news for you. All those reasons you've come up that prevents us from telling people about Jesus don't matter. They don't matter. They do not matter. The first thing that Andrew did, this is going back to the the previous paragraph, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought to him. The first thing that Andrew did when he discovered Jesus was to find his brother and tell him. Our job is simply to tell people that we have found Jesus. We don't have to worry about their reaction. We don't have to worry about the questions that they may have. 
let me tell you some good news. You don't have to answer all the questions that your friends have about God, about Jesus, about suffering, about evil, about all the things that are going on in the world. You don't have to have all those answers. All you have to do is exactly what happened here in the story with Philip. If you've been under the impression that we've been not getting our message across uh, lately, maybe we've been using the wrong methods. Maybe we've been even trying too hard. People imagine that they do need a, uh, you know, a diploma in evangelism, uh, a degree in theology and pastoral studies before they can start talking to their friends about Jesus. Let me tell you there's some good news. You don't need any of those things. You just need to have a living relationship with Jesus. And you just need to be able to talk. Now, I know some of you are excellent talkers. I've been in conversations with some of you that I just cannot get out of. You've never stopped talking. So I know that you can talk. So don't tell me that you can't talk because each one of you can talk. All you need to do is is every now and again change the subject. And instead of talking about the World Cup, which we obviously don't want to talk about the World Cup at the moment, and instead of talking about your holidays or the cinema or your family, we need to every now and again change the subject and talk about Jesus. We just need to be able to talk about Jesus. The invitation that Philip gives to Nathaniel is a very simple one. You see... He came across some of the problems that we came across because when he goes to Nathaniel and he tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Now, Nathaniel was from uh, from Cana, and apparently Cana and Nazareth, it was a bit like there was a, there was a bit of a like you know rivalry between the the two towns. I guess it's a little bit like, you know, the rivalry between, say, Burnley and Blackburn. You know, you some of you might say to me, can anything good come out of Blackburn other than the M65? There was that kind of rivalry. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Philip could have entered into a, a theological discussion about why something good might be able to come out of Nazareth. But he kind of... He doesn't kind of ignore the question, but he just simply says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and find out. He doesn't try to answer all the questions. Now, don't get me wrong. It isn't that we shouldn't take inquirers and seekers' questions seriously. And we shouldn't ignore them and not try to give them an answer. But we shouldn't feel that we have to provide all the answers. The invitation is just to come and see Jesus for yourself. And then... Make your decision. You decide for yourself. We don't have to try and persuade people to believe in God. Isn't that a relief? Isn't that a relief? All we need to do is offer the very simple invitation. Come and see. Come and find out for yourself. I came across this uh, this, this story about uh, this guy that had, 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 had got his job selling cars, a young man, and he had spent months and months looking for work, and he finally found someone working, some work in a car dealership, and his new job was to sell a very high-end automobile, a real performance machine. The young man knew firsthand that the jobs were hard to come by, and he was determined to make a success of this job. The first thing he did while he was out is he did nothing but memorise all the information there was to know about this car. 
There was nothing about this car that this young man couldn't tell you. The parts, the mileage, the efficiency, the owner expectations, the reviews, the warranties, you name it, he knew it. But this young man went even further. He learned everything there was to know about the every other car in its class and how each one compared uh, to the one that he was selling. The more he learned about the car, the more he made, amazed he became about it. He was honestly beginning to believe that this was the best car that had ever been built. Everyone should have this car. And he just wanted an opportunity to sell it. Well, the day finally came after all his training and he thought to himself, I'm going to make a lot of people happy and I'll earn a lot of money for myself. When he got to his first customer, quickly he went into his rehearsed speech about the virtues of the car. No matter what line of reasoning he followed, the, the customer still didn't look interested. Eventually, the customer left without buying the car. Nothing he said changed the customer's mind. The scene was repeated time and time and time again. By the end of the day, he couldn't keep track of the people who had rejected him. As he was watching this last failed attempt, he walked away and a senior salesman came and spoke to him. He had a big grin on his face. I just saw my third car of the day, he said. The young man was flabbergasted. How do you keep doing that, he asked. Nothing I say has gotten anywhere. I haven't even got people to think twice about buying a car. It's easy, the senior salesman say. All I have to say is two words. Test drive. Once they get in the car, it sells itself. All they have to do is sit back and enjoy the ride. Philip here simply says to Nathaniel, test drive, come and see, come and try it. Come and see Jesus for yourself. And that's all we have to do for our friends, for our neighbours, for our families who we're praying for. Uh, we need to do more than just pray for them. Every now and again, we need to give them that invitation to come and see for themselves the Jesus that we have met. So don't let the, the things that would put you off talking about Jesus put you off. Don't worry about being embarrassed, about people asking questions that you can't answer about people rejecting you. Just issue that simple invitation. Come and see. That's the invitation. And then finally, I want to talk about the encounter. And I'm using the theological term for the encounter, wow we. You might not have come across that. It's, uh, it's based on the Greek word. No, it's not real. I just made it up. <laughs> wow we. That's the encounter. Because what we want to get people into is an encounter with Jesus and then it's up to him that's the good news it's not up to us to convince to persuade or convert that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit does we just have to get them into a situation where they can have that encounter with Jesus and then it's up to him I don't know about you but that's a great relief to me when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching he said to him here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false how do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's blown away that Jesus knows something about him. You know, have, have we met before? Uh, has, has, has somebody told you about me? How, how do you know? You see, Jesus knows. He knows about you. He knows about your friends. He knows about your family. He already knows them. So when we issue that invitation, we are inviting them to somebody that they might not know, but he knows them. He knows each one of us more than we know ourselves. And the final is blown away about the fact that Jesus knows about him. 
I don't know about you, but I was blown away when I discovered that God knew all about me. It was a kind of a wow way. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that Nathanael's a man that's easily wow weed. I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And he's like, whoa! Whoa! (laughs) But you see, actually what Jesus is saying to Nathanael talks about him being a true Israelite. The fig tree in, in, uh, in, in Judaism played a very important part. Uh, a man sitting under a fig tree was a man that was at peace with God. Talks about it in the Old Testament. It gives us a picture in the Old Testament of the person sitting under the fig tree as a person who's, who's been provided for and is at peace with God. And Jesus is saying, I, I know that you're a, a true Israelite. I know that you long for that peace with God. And Jesus is saying, and I'm going to meet all those expectations and more, and more. The encounter, wow, we. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You see, Jesus is just as surprised as me that he's kind of wowed by that. And he's thinking, gosh, this person's going to be easy to impress. You shall see greater things than that, Nathaniel. You'll see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now that is a wow we, isn't it? To see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And of course Jesus is referring back to uh, to Jacob's dream uh, in Genesis chapter 28. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And of course it was after that dream that Jacob realised that God had been in that place and he hadn't realised it. And of course this was the experience of so many people when they met Jesus that God was with them in Jesus and they hadn't realised it. Wherever Jesus is becomes the house of God. Because Jesus is present. Little cartoon for you. Today's gospel is so Led Zeppelin. What are you talking about? It's all about Jesus' identity promised in Moses and prophets. He's Jacob's ladder. And she's buying the stairway to heaven. Good grief. Yeah, move on quickly. <laughs> the encounter. Wow, we. Wow, we. Tom Wright, writing about this, he says, what Jesus is saying is, what you will see from now on is the reality to which Jacob's ladder and even the temple itself was pointing like a signpost. If you follow me, you'll be watching what it looks like when heaven and earth are open to one another. You see, when Jesus came down from heaven to earth... He was opening that stairway that Jacob had had a picture of. The angels ascending and descending. Jesus was saying, you know, the things of heaven are going to happen on earth. We pray, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. We want to bring heaven 
down to earth. We often think of a heaven as a place where we go to when we die. But actually Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven being here and close and now. And we want to bring something of heaven to earth. And Tom Wright suggesting that this is what Jesus was. He was that ladder, that bridge between heaven and earth. And so that the things of heaven could flow through him into the earth. The encounter, wow we. And so, as we, uh, as we come to this end of this short series, the challenge is, you know, for each one of us to reach one. It isn't complicated. We make it very complicated. It's quite simple, really. We're simple to tell people about Jesus. We need to hear the call for ourselves and respond, and then we follow by simply telling other people about the Jesus that we have met and encountered. And the invitation that we offer them is that simple invitation to come and see for yourself. Take a test drive. And then it's up to them. We don't have to worry about the the decision that they make. It's entirely up to them. We can't force them. We can't press them. We can't make them. We just put them in that position. And so let's really attempt to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's make it our mission, our goal, for each one of us to reach one person for Jesus.